Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, this is Emma Whitfield, Senior Account Manager at the Webby Awards. We're getting ready to honor the 2019 winners at the 23rd Annual Webby Awards on May 13th. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. For just one night, this year's top digital creators are gathering to celebrate the best of the internet. It's going to be star-studded with winners in attendance like Issa Rae, Emily Weiss, Hassan Minaj, Tiara Wack, and more. Follow Webby's, that's hashtag W-E-B-B-Y-S, to watch all the best moments from the show, hosted by Jenny Slate, as they happen on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It all goes down Monday, May 13th at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. All right, let's get started. From the Webby Awards, I'm David Michelle Davies. This is the Webby Podcast. Don't fear tackling real shit. Different strokes. For different folks. Make it here, then everywhere. Fuck the patriarchy. We won! <laughs> hey there, and welcome back to the Webby Podcast. As you'll find out in a minute, today's guest lives by a simple motto, say what you think. For Cindy Gallup, it's worked out pretty well. She's the media industry's resident truth teller and entrepreneur and the founder of creative advertising shop BBH USA. For decades, Cindy has spoken truth to the industry's toughest issues, namely diversity and sexual harassment. Cindy and I talked a lot about where the Me Too movement is today about her personal mission to unearth stories of abuse in her industry and how companies can better uplift women. Cindy's latest venture, Make Love Not Porn, is on a mission to change how we understand healthy sexual behavior. Despite the larger impact Me Too has made, Cindy has a strong opinion on whether things have improved. I've been speaking publicly about sexual harassment for years, since well before Me Too, and I I spoke about it publicly because nobody else would. And so when Me Too really um, came to notice with um, the exposure of Harvey Weinstein, which really kicked everything off, that was, as you say, you know, a little over a year ago, I thought maybe the time has now finally come off the back of this, where people in the advertising industry will finally speak up and name names versus all of the stories that have been told to me over the years where everyone was too, you know, frightened to, to say anything publicly. Back in October of 2017, I put a post on Facebook uh, saying precisely that, you know, women and men of the advertising industry, the time has come, you know, speak up, name names, here's my email address, you know, um, tell your stories and let's get them out in the open. And I absolutely did not expect to be inundated with the avalanche of emails that Mm -hmm. I was, and, and not just here in the US, but globally. And... I actually addressed this just back in November at the 3% conference, which I keynote at every year, 
because I spoke to 3% comments in November 2017, and I was so horrified by what I saw in my inbox that, that I made the first part of my talk all about that. And a year later, last November, I, I stood on the stage and I said, I stood here a year ago and told you that I was absolutely committed to breaking Me Too stories in the ad industry. And I'm here to tell you today, 12 months later, that I have spectacularly failed. And I've failed because everybody is too terrified to speak up. And the reason they're terrified, and, and entirely understandably terrified, is because the powerful men who are doing the harassing are the gatekeepers of everything. They're the gatekeepers of jobs, promotions, pay raises, awards, career paths, you know, reputation. And women and men alike, you know, and I absolutely heard from men who'd been harassed by powerful gay men in my industry. I heard from men who'd stood by and done nothing while they watched other men harass and now felt guilty about it. I heard from men who had been, the flip side of sexual harassment is bullying and abuse. From men who've been bullied and harassed um, themselves by these men. And it's a huge um, statement about the industry and, in fact, about the business world and society as a whole, that everybody is too scared to speak up. And, you know, I said to the 3% um, audience... And this is in... Uh, the, the, uh, to, uh, this is me speaking last November, after okay. a year... 2018. Of, um, yeah, of trying to get the ad industry to, 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 to break up, open these stories wide open. And, by the way, bear in mind that I, I now know what those stories are. Right. You know, and, and, you know, when I spoke a year ago, I said I've been horrified by the names because these are men who have looked me in the eye and told me how much they support women and diversity and inclusion... These are men I thought were good guys, men I thought were friends. You know, I know things I wish I didn't know right. about my own industry. But what I said um, to the 3% in November of last year was, you know, this is why I'm never giving up. You know, and, and I said, powerful men in our industry think you've gotten away with it. You haven't. Powerful women in our industry who have covered up and enabled powerful men to continue harassing, you haven't gotten away with it either. And so, you know, th this is a very subjective response to your question, which yeah. is, Am I allowed to use profanity on yeah, this? Yeah, it's fine. Nothing's fucking changed. What we are seeing is the tip of the goddamn iceberg. And the only positive thing is that, to your point, yes, Me Too has driven far more awareness than ever before of how goddamn systemic and integrated into every bloody aspect of society and business and life sexual harassment is. And there's enough awareness now that I believe that things will change, but they're not changing fast enough. Does it seem like the change is slower in the advertising industry? The pace of change is glacial right. everywhere. Okay. You know, and, uh, and the reason the pace of change is glacial is because this is not about sex, it's about power. Yeah. And it's about abuse of power. And as long as patriarchal, male-dominated power structures are in place, this is going to carry right on happening. And so one of the things I've been very vocal about in the past year is that if you really want to, it's incredibly easy to end Me Too. It's really easy to end sexual harassment, sexual abuse, sexual violence. Two things, okay? First of all, and I'll address this specifically in terms of Me Too in, in the workplace, but, but what I'm saying applies to society as a whole. Number one, make every single level of your company gender equal. 50-50 male-female, or ideally, because it's been the other way for way too long, more female than male. And the reason... I say you should do that is because sexual harassment magically disappears in environments that are gender equal or more female than male for two reasons. A, there is no longer, as you have in a male-dominant environment, the implicit bro endorsement, it's okay to behave like that. Right. And B, 
when you have gender equal working environments, where men engage with women every single day as professional equals, are exposed every single day to female intelligence, brilliance, ideas, creativity, insight, men cease to see women in one of only two roles, girlfriend or secretary. Okay, and so that's number one. Make every single level of your company, and it has to be every single level, leadership, you know, bottom and every level in between gender equal. And the second thing you need to do, and, you know, ironically, this is what my startup Make Love Not Porn is entirely dedicated to, is sexual harassment will disappear when we have what we do not have currently, which is a gold standard that is universally understood, discussed openly, promoted, operated, and very importantly, aspired to a gold standard of what constitute good sexual values and good sexual behavior. And the reason I say that is I designed Make Love Not Porn around my own philosophies and beliefs, one of which is that everything in life and business, by the way, it starts with you and your values. So I regularly ask people this question, what are your sexual values? And nobody can ever answer me because we're not taught to think like that. Many of us, if we're lucky, are born into families where our parents bring us up to have good manners, a work ethic, sense of responsibility, accountability. Nobody ever brings us up to behave well in bed but they should, because they're empathy, sensitivity, generosity, kindness, honesty are as important as they are in every other area of our lives where we are actively taught to exercise those values. And actually, um, you know, because again, all of this ties into what I'm doing with Make Love Not Porn. Obviously, Me Too has surfaced, you know, fantastically, this global dialogue around consent. Lots of people talking about consent. Lots of people writing about consent. Lots of very thoughtful, nuanced, insightful think pieces about consent. Here's the problem. Nobody knows what that actually looks like in bed. Right, because okay? nobody talks about it or they only see yeah. it on um, television nothing, or in the media. Nothing educates people about great consensual communicative sex, about what constitutes good sexual values and good sexual behavior, like watching people actually having that kind of sex. Right. And makelovenotporn.tv is the only place on the internet where you can do that. Every single one of our videos is an object lesson in real world consent. So when we, when we actually integrate that gold standard of, you know, these are the good sexualized, good sexual behavior that everyone should aspire to into society, as widely as we ingrain other gold standards of behavior, then you end me too. Tell me about how those videos become, and tell, tell me a bit about uh, Make Love Not Porn and how those videos become that gold standard. I know that when you first started years ago, uh, Make Love Not mm. Porn, one of the big things you wanted to do, I believe, I'm putting words in your mouth, feel free to disagree, is there was a lot of pornography out there that people were seeing, and that ended up becoming, especially with young people, what they thought sex was. And I think, if I remember, one of the things you were trying to do was show an alternative, more realistic view of what sex was. Is that still mm. sort of... Um, yeah, but yeah. No, 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 absolutely. In fact, next month is the 10th anniversary of Make Love Not Porn, since I first launched it in its original .com iteration as Porn World versus Real World at right. TED in 2009. Right. And, and yep, we are the world's first and only entirely user-generated social sex video sharing platform, absolutely celebrating real-world sex as a counterpoint to porn. Our tagline is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And, and with the very single-minded mission of um, doing it in a way that socializes and normalizes sex right. to make it easier to talk about, to promote good sexual values and good sexual behavior. We call ourselves the social sex revolution, the revolutionary part is not the sex, it's the social. 
Right. And so if you're talking about these videos as being a place where people can go to sort of see the standard of consent, are you requesting certain types of video? Like, oh, no, 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 screening them? Oh, yeah. So we are what Facebook would be if Facebook allowed you to socially, sexually self-express and self-identify, you know, which obviously doesn't. So social sex videos and make love and porn are not about performing for the camera. Mm. They're just about doing what you do on every other social platform. Capture what goes on in the real world as it happens spontaneously in all its funny, messy, glorious, silly, beautiful, ridiculous, wonderful humanness. And, you know, we, we're a social experiment. We're putting this platform out there. You are community, you the world. You, sh- you show us what is real world sex. I mean, we put no parameters on it at all. Only requirement is that it really is real. And so I designed Make Love Not Porn around human curation. And by the way, the really important thing about that is the young white male founders of the giant tech platforms of today that dominate all our lives are not the primary targets of online and offline harassment, abuse, violence, sexual assault, rape. They don't design for it. Yeah. Make Love Not Porn is a female-founded venture built by a team that is more female than male. We spent literally years concepting and designing makelovenotporn.tv because when you are one of the, you know, parts of the population that is at risk every single day, you design for it. Right. We knew that if we wanted to invite people to do something they've never done before, socially share their real-world sex, we had to think through every possible ramification of that to create a completely safe and trustworthy space. And so we designed Make Love Not Porn around something that nobody else does uh, but should in terms of giant tech platforms, which is human curation. Our curators watch every single video submitted to Make Love Not Porn from beginning to end. Mm. We do not publish it unless it's real. You know, and by the way, you know, that's our only lens, as I said, but obviously enables us to see, you know, everything and make sure that everything is absolutely in, in accordance with our policies. Um, and, you know, much more than that, from the moment you submit your video, and by the way, it's not possible to even complete our submissions process unless your video is fully consensual, legal, everyone's over 18, we require two forms of visual ID for every participant. When you submit your video and we accept it, our curators begin engaging with you personally. We begin building relationships with every one of our Make Love Not Porn stars, as we call our contributors. You know, they, they will Skype with you, phone, email, whatever your chosen communication is. We'll talk with both halves of the couple. You know, to, um, we enormously value the people who have been brave enough to make themselves this vulnerable in order to be a part of the social sex revolution. You know, we also have measures like, you know, if you're at all worried about your employer, your school, you know, it's absolutely fine to be anonymous. You can right. wear masks, faces in shadow, out of frame. You know, half of our Make Love Not Porn stars choose to be anonymous. Um, the other half are happy showing their faces. Your video is only viewable on our platform by our members and only actually by the members who paid to rent it. Mm. We have a revenue sharing business model. Half the income goes to the contributors. How much of that is the motivation for the people Mm. who share the videos and how much of it is wanting to be part of Mm. the community? I can tell you, I mean, it's a great question, by the way, because we, we absolutely watch out for that. We don't want people who are motivated by the financial reward. Okay. Um, actually, they're not. Uh, we have Make Love Not Porn stars who, who were so thrilled to find us, they shared videos without even realizing they could get paid for them. They are basically doing this because they, they believe in the mission. Mm. Uh, and that's why, separate from one category we have, which I wanted from launch and asked my friends to help me with, um, we are the only place on the internet where porn stars share videos of the sex they have offset in the real world, because right, right. they're real world sex too. But, but, but our everyday Make Love Not Porn stars, the vast majority had never ever filmed themselves doing anything sexual before ever. They're doing it for us because they believe in our, our, our social mission. 
And so the reason we operate a rent and stream model, not a download and own, is because our commitment to you as a mate of not porn star is the moment anything changes, relationship, life, circumstances, even just your mind. You tell us, we take your videos down, they're gone forever, they're nowhere else on the internet. Right. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about was how much the internet is supporting some of the expansion of these discussions and some of the hopefully more opportunities being provided, but also in some ways how it isn't. Um, do you think that typical and traditional porn is a factor in sexual harassment in the workplace? Does it play a role in, in creating that? Porn in itself doesn't. Porn through the male lens absolutely does. Basically, the same dynamics apply to porn as do everywhere else. So, so I regularly get called up by journalists, you know, writing an article about porn, you know. And they'll ask me something like, so, Cindy, do you feel that porn objectifies women? And I will say that I think any industry that is dominated by men at the top inevitably produces output that is objectifying and objectionable and offensive to women. And then I will point them to the commercial breaks in the Super Bowl. Right. Because my own industry, advertising, the vast majority of leadership and especially creative directors who run creative departments are men, very few are women. And that is why everything you see in advertising is as responsible for perpetuating the male lens scenario as everything you see in porn. Completely the same deal. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So do you, I mean, so do you think that is it an equality of objectification issue or is it? It's absolutely not. Okay. okay? Yeah. So, you know, Men, absolutely not you, okay, but no, men, no, men, men, men really try and pull that reverse objectification shit. Fuck that, right. okay? Like I said, it's not about sex, it's about power. The day that women are as much in power um, as men are, we can totally have reverse objectification, but actually, when that day comes, it will be in a whole different context. So um, I had this conversation, um, actually, I was in a gathering of ad people, and a woman made a reference to a new client and she thought he was extremely attractive. And, and she was saying, gosh, you know, I really fancied him or something along those lines. And a bit later, one of the men, men in, in the conversation said to me, if I'd said what she just said, you know, um, about her male client, if I'd said that about a female client, you know, you all would have been down on me like a ton of bricks. And I said, you know, here's the deal with that. You are the ones in power. 
And when you do that, it has a completely mm. different context. Yeah. And, and I said, I really want, it, want, to, want us to get, get to the point where, you know, um, power is equally distributed. And then we can really, in a really open, healthy, natural way, go, gosh, she's really attractive. Gosh, he's really attractive. And it's fine. Right. Interesting. Tell me about some of the ways you think the internet is having a positive impact on this. Maybe it's organizing. I think there's been a lot of anonymous organizing. We can talk about Fishbowl a bit if that's something that's interesting to you. But is there places where the internet's really helping? Do you think it's a catalyst for this movement? Um, you have, no, to, um, I, I absolutely want those people who comes down on, on the positives outweigh the negatives. And I think the single best thing about the internet is that you realize whatever you're experiencing, you're not alone. And that's incredibly important. One of the reasons sexual harassment has flourished for centuries is because every woman, and, and man, by the way, you know, every person it happened to thought it was happening to them and them alone. You know, I mean, it's horrifying how serial predators and rapists and molesters have gotten away with it for years and years right. and years because each victim thought it was only them. And by the way, this is another reason to socialise sex. Because we don't talk about sex, because we're consigned to the shadows, you know, we, we, are, we are socially conditioned to view people's sexuality as a completely separate and hidden part of them. If we all accepted that everybody, uh, we all are sexual beings, you know, sex is personality, you know, as much, as much as, you know, anything else that makes you who you are, then we would accept that we all have sexual urges and people are going to act on them inappropriately as well as appropriately. And people would be believed when, when they made complaints about sexual harassment. You know, but, um, but part of the problem with, with listening to victims is precisely because we hive off this part of ourselves. And, you know, you hear, oh, oh, no, but he's such a fine, upstanding person. He would never do, like hell he wouldn't, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and when we normalize all of that, th th then we open up to belief and, and understanding. Um, so, so, yeah, but I, I think, you know, the fact that you realize it's not just you, you know, you're not alone. There are many other people dealing with this. And, you know, all of that solidarity and, and togetherness encourages everybody to then collaborate and work together to make change happen. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, that's some of the, I mean, some of the power literally of the hashtag Me Too is it, it's communicating that exact message that you're talking about, right? Which is that you're not alone, yep. it happened to me. I mean, yeah, but, but, but I'm going to give you another very, very um, subjective perspective, which is my ventures, again, reflect my own philosophies. Um, I'm all about using technology to make things happen in the real world. And so, you know, it's not about hashtag me too. It's about what are you doing to change this? And there is way too much talking in this world and too little doing. I don't talk, I do. And so the one thing about the internet is that it's very, very easy to go blah, 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 and think you're doing something. Yeah, you know, and, retweet and, it, and you I, feel and great I, yeah. about it. And know. I want to see you do that shit in the real world. Yeah, sort of like value signaling by pushing a button mm. on a computer. Yeah. What do you think people should be doing? There are, I mean, gosh, there are so many things they can do, but, but, but first of all, just, you know, and, and, and again, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. So first and foremost is very simply call it out. You know, wherever you see it, call it out. And, and actually, I mean, this is something, again, I've been saying for years um, publicly before me too. I deliberately end um, business talks because I absolutely want every audience to hear this message. I, I, I would end my talks by saying uh, one final message, you know, sexual harassment. You know, men don't do it and stop other men doing it. Um, because, ev and I will say to whatever conference or is it, because every single woman in this room knows what I'm talking about and very few of the men do. And secondly, women call it out. 
Okay, when it happens to you, call it out immediately. You may think your career's fucked if you do, and I'm here to tell you your career's fucked if you don't. Trust me. Yeah. You know, if you if you do not call it out, and if you, you know, I mean, I mean and, and for entirely understandable reasons, you know, um, you absolutely have to call it out. And now, thank God, there's a lot more solidarity. But but we particularly want men to call it out. We want men to intervene, step in, and you know, there's a whole range of things you can do. That's just from checking somebody on the language they're using to you know actively physically intervening when you see somebody is you know being threatened or you know whatever. Call it out and intervene. What do you think that young women who are in advertising today can and should be doing to make their career path? And I don't mean to, I don't mean to convey the idea that it's like their responsibility to fix this problem. Um, but I'm just wondering if you're like, how do you see young women's path in advertising today, given what's going on? I guess would sure. be a better way of saying so, it. Uh, um, so I'm going to give you a two-part answer to that question, because in the first instance, as you quite right, rightly you know, check yourself on, it's not the job of young women going to advertising today to decide what to do to determine their career path. It's a job of the leadership. Um, and by the way, you know, one, one of the points I make about that is it doesn't matter how much gender equality and diversity, and, and, and by the way, when I talk about diversity, I, talk, I mean diversity of everything, you know, gender, race, ethnicity, disability, sexuality, age, it doesn't matter how much diversity you bring in at the bottom if you show it nowhere to go at the top. Mm. The single biggest thing the leadership can do for young women coming into any industry today is hire a shit ton of senior women, which they're not doing, by the way. Absolutely put women in the CEO position, in the COO position, in the CFO position, in the CMO position, in the CIO position, you know, in every goddamn C-suite position going. You know, that's the single best thing you can do for young women coming into the industry today. And interestingly, it's the single best thing you can do for young men coming into any industry today because men need female role models just as much as women need female role models. You cannot be what you cannot see applies to men as much as to women. Many more men would vastly benefit from modeling themselves and their career on women. And I want to see that happen. Right. So that's the first part of the answer. And then the second part, specifically what should young women do is and again, I'm, I'm all about, you know, making things really simple. I'm all about micro actions, you know, because change happens from the bottom up, not the top down. We can change things when every single one of us every day takes micro actions, tiny actions to change or instantly change, cumulatively adds up, you know, yeah. at scale to enormous impact. Yeah. And so the single most important micro action, and by the way, you know, I say this to young women, but, but I say it to everybody. The single most important micro action um, to take that will have the biggest impact on your career and your life going forwards is an incredibly easy microaction, requires no experience, no training, no skills. It's simply this. Say what you think. No, really. Say what you really think. Because we don't, mm. by the way, especially women. We get mansplained to, manterrupted, talked over, dismissed, ignored, not heard, not listened to. And, and so I say to young women and everybody, Say what you think, two reasons. First is that because we do not say what we really think, often it's only when you start saying what you think that you find out what you really think. When you begin just articulating what you personally think, then you realize what your own opinions are. And secondly, that is your value to the business. The business hired you to make your unique contribution and what you think is part of that. And it's also, incidentally, a very good filter because if you say what you think and is not received well, it is not valued, get the fuck out. 
if you are working somewhere that not that does not value what you uniquely bring to the table right that does not you know value and reward you know your unique skills talents opinions insights perspectives get the fuck out yeah and so same question what can young men be doing and I, the micro-action mm. thing is, I think, is... Yeah, it, 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 yeah. it applies equally oh, to young men. Yeah, is there anything else? Because yep. like, I'm, yep. I'm sure there's lots of young mm. men out there who yep. hear these stories and are mortified. Yep. And, because, yeah. because, again, say what you think absolutely applies to young men. Yep. Do not go with the herd. You know, so in my um, Me Too call out to the ad industry, um, when I realized that women were too terrified to speak up, I, I mean, I did several things to try and change this, one of which was I deliberately set out to guilt men. So I put a call out and I said, you know, men of the advertising industry who stood by, laughed, participated, joined in, turned a blind eye, enabled, covered up, now is your chance to put things right. Now is your chance to be able to look yourself in the eye in the mirror every morning. Okay, speak up now. And actually that worked. Mm. You know, I got a ton of approaches from men, all of whom were still too shit scared to actually say anything publicly yeah. and to name names. And, and by the way, there's an interesting dimension to this, which is, you know, I mentioned earlier that I heard from men who were harassed um, themselves by powerful gay men. I heard from men who, you know, saw their female colleagues being harassed, knew, I mean, were aware of their female colleagues being raped, did not speak up. Uh, and trust me, there are serial rapists in my industry that have never, never, ever. And what do you do when you, see, you must see these people or hear about them or yes, talk to them? Yeah. What, do, what do you, I mean, that must be, like, there, as you said, you probably wish you there didn't is, know. There, there is nothing I can do until I yeah. get those stories broken. I'm right. working all the time to break them. But, but so I also heard from men who, and again, I said this earlier, but, you know, the flip side of sexual harassment is bullying and abuse. Right. Um, imparted to everybody, all audiences. So there are powerful men who are sexually harassing women who are abusing and bullying men. And so I got some very emotional emails from men who had as much PTSD from right. these scenarios as, as women did. But, but there is a particular dynamic, which is, you know, the men feel they cannot speak up because for a man to admit that he broke down this much by what another man did to him in the workplace goes against our societal construct of masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. And, they're, and, and, they're, and they're too afraid to ever speak up publicly about that. Yeah, I mean, I suspect also that the... The telling on other men is, I mean, that's something also that's very ingrained at a very young age, which is like not telling on people. Oh, oh, um, oh no, 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 no. 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 Um, oh, no, no. Um, no, these men know how horrific these monsters are. You know, um, they are they are scared shitless for themselves uh -huh. and their careers. Right. They've been sufficiently disgusted that, that they have absolutely, um, so it's, you know, it's yeah, no, 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 no yeah. it's, it, it's fear. Do you think some of these organizing tools like uh, Fishbowl where people talk anonymously, do you think that that helps in some ways because it gives people the opportunity to connect, find out that other people are going through the same things as them, discuss things more openly without sort of getting in trouble for them? Do you think those things are helpful or do you think that they, and the answer is probably both, but or do you think that they undermine, because you, you know, you read a lot of, a lot of this stuff feels very empowering, but then also you read a lot of discussion around it and people also feel undermined and it feels subversive mm. and that kind of thing as well. Well, again, very subjectively speaking, I mean, I, I've been sent a ton of invitations to Fishbowl. I've never accepted any of them. I'm, I'm not interested in, in engaging in, mm -hmm. um, in those sorts of anonymous forums. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of anonymous forums, period. Again, that's, that's me. I mean, I absolutely think there is a role so that people don't, don't feel so alone. I think um, the more important point, actually, is that the reason those anonymous forums thrive is because the system is failing everybody. Yeah. You know, 
if instead of systemic sexual harassment, you had systemic integrity and listening to victims and belief in victims and help and support victims, you wouldn't need anonymous forums. The vision that you outlined, I think most leaders who listen to that, I would hope, would be like, that, that sounds like what we should be doing. Part of the challenge is it's, you know, human beings are human beings and don't always succeed at doing all of those things, even if they, even if they would like to, right? Sometimes they fail. Um, they're not as good as they want to be. They're unaware of themselves. They're defensive. They're all those sort of flaws that regular people have. Is there something about the world we live in today that can enable people to be better than in the past? If that's if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, no, um, there's, there's nothing about the world today because, again, everything we're talking about has been true of all humanity since the dawn of time. It's just the methodology by mm -hmm. which we operate is is so very different today. Yeah. You know, I'm all about radical simplicity. I like to keep things very simple. And, you know, very fundamentally, um, what I say to people is, is what I was talking about earlier as a personal philosophy, which is everything in life starts with you and your values. The single most important thing you should do, and it's astonishing, by the way, how many people do not do this, is absolutely just stop and look into yourself. Ask yourself, what do I believe in? What do I value? What do I stand for? What am I all about? And then live your life and do your work according to those values. Because that actually is the secret of human happiness. When you, when you know what your values are and you are living according to them, uh, and by the way, it also makes life so much easier because... Life still throws you, by the way, all the shit it always will. But you know exactly how to respond to it in any given situation in a way that is true, true to you. And that makes you feel and know you're doing the right thing. Cindy Gell, thank you so much for joining us on the Webby Podcast. It's been great, uh, great having you. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. And everyone listening, please go over to makelovenotporn.tv and join the social sex revolution. Thank you so much to Cindy for stopping by the studio. Make Love Not Porn is a tool that celebrates real-world sex and helps individuals find ways to better communicate. If you're over 18, check it out at makelovenotporn.tv. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could take a few seconds to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about the Webby Awards, visit us at webbyawards.com, W-E-B-B-Y-A-W-A-R-D-S.com, or on social platforms at The Webby Awards, T-H-E-W-E-B-B-Y-A-W-A-R-D-S. As always, you can reach me at DMD Likes. Our producer is Terrence Brosnan. Our writer is Jordana Jarrett. Our editorial director is Nicole Ferraro. Music is Poddington Bear. Claire Graves is Epifurious 89's biggest groupie. I'm your host, David Michelle Davies, and this is The Webby Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.